Hey, everybody. Welcome into the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Our guest today is Tara Setmayer. I'm going to get to Tara in just a second. But first, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media, and we'll read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. All right, let's get to Tara Setmayer. She is a former CNN political commentator, contributor to ABC News, and former GOP communications director on Capitol Hill. She's frequently guest-hosted ABC's The View and appears regularly on MSNBC. She is a former Harvard Institute of Politics resident fellow and has served as a University of Virginia Center for Politics resident scholar since 2021, where she narrated the Emmy-nominated documentary, Dismantling Democracy. She's also a senior advisor for The Lincoln Project and co-hosts the streaming show, The Breakdown, alongside Lincoln Project co-founder Rick Wilson. After spending 27 years with the Republican Party, Tara publicly left the GOP in November 2020, after Donald Trump refused to concede the election to Joe Biden. She now identifies as a conservative independent. Tara, welcome into the back room. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to have you here. I'm a big fan. And uh, where do we start? Uh, oh, my goodness. It seems like the world, like if you took a globe and you just shook it up, that's what the world feels like right now. So w- why don't we just start with Israel? This is um, one of, if it, it, it couldn't be any worse than what's happening right now over in Israel. And, you know, my, I, I've I've been there. Um, I've actually been on the ground in one of the kibbutz that was brutally attacked um, mm-hmm. by by the border with Gaza, Kafar Aza, and it's just it's it's unspeakable what's happening there, and it's an incredibly complex situation, and um, I'm confident that the United States, the response so far by President Biden has been excellent. And I, I'm glad to see that there's been unwavering support for Israel after this horrific terrorist attack. The problem that I'm concerned about moving forward is that America has very short attention spans. Mm-hmm. And given the complex dynamics of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict here, I, um, I worry that this becomes more politicized than it should. And it's going to be a really, really ugly ground war. No matter how you slice this, it's just, there's no way to avoid it. Hamas should be decimated. Um, there will be civilian casualties. And it's a matter of what can the world stomach here? Israel's in a very difficult situation. And, um, you know, they're protecting themselves and they have to. And it's, I don't know, it's it's hard to imagine um, how you have a, a measured response after you've seen infants beheaded mm-hmm. and elderly burned alive and innocent people being butchered to death uh, horrific, horrifically. So, you know, what constitutes a measured response there with that other than full annihilation? Um, you know, this is where we have yet to see what Israel's full response is going to be. And I know that there's the domestic turmoil going on in Israel with Netanyahu and what's been happening there has, um, that has also complicated Israel's ability to respond. They have a unity government now, thankfully, 
I think all of that has been cast aside because they're in a war posture. I think Netanyahu's days are 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 numbered. Mm-hmm. He was known his 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 hallmark was security. Mm-hmm. That's why he was the longest serving Israeli prime minister because it was all about I'm going to keep you safe. Right. That's out the window now. He no longer has that to fall back on after this incredible intelligence failure. So uh, I just I just think that we people need to be prepared for this to be a protracted event and it's and and possibly unlike anything we've seen in 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 this generation and you know now we've got a a hot war in the middle east we've got a hot war in europe Mm -hmm. with ukraine and russia and we have absolute disarray going on domestically in the united states where republicans can't get out of their own way and do the most basic act of governing in the house of representatives so all of this is tied in together because israel needs our support we are they are our greatest ally in the in in the region surrounded by enemies who want to destroy them and ukraine needs our assistance and we have a we have a congress that you know you know foreign policy politics used to end used to end on the water's edge that used to be the mantra not anymore with foreign with politics and in our foreign policy and our position in the world it's it's all upended and these have real world consequences. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? And it seems as though we just don't have serious people on the Republican side in the House uh, recognizing that, you know, Rome is burning around you and you guys are arguing over what outfit to wear to the Coliseum. I just don't understand it. Yeah. No, and I want to get to the House craziness in, in a second. But you mentioned the colossal intelligence failure in Israel and also on a smaller scale, I guess, with the United States as well. How is it possible that something on this scale went undetected? How did that intelligence failure occur to this extent? Yeah, it, that has been the number one question from the from last Saturday when this whole thing blew up. Literally, uh, everyone it was the first thing. It's the first thing I said. I mean, we all know Israel to have one of the best intelligence services in the world, probably second only to the U.S. And how could they have possibly failed on multiple levels? It wasn't just one or two. And I think that, you know, the last time that there was, I mean, there's been nothing at the, of this scale, but the last time that there, there were some issues here with intelligent fa- intelligence failures and, and incursion, um, they had hearings and they investigated it. And I think that you're going to see that happen again. I mean, the Israelis do not mess around with this because it's not just, it, it's their, it's their existence. So this is this is their right to exist. So I, I there will be a time similar to our 9-11 commission and how there was a lot of investigation, like how the hell did the U.S. miss that? Mm-hmm. Same thing here with Israel. But what's more striking here is as more reports come out and and in this day and age with the with the citizen journalism and the ability for people on the ground to get, you know, videos of things and then obviously the sophistication of the propaganda machines of the other side. We're finding out more and more what they did. And now we find out that Hamas was training for this pretty much in plain sight, right there on the border, uh, right there on the Gaza border, using old Israeli settlements, uh, old building compounds mm-hmm. um, to, 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 to run exercises for this thing for over a year. And now we see the satellite imagery that confirms that. They show that. So somebody was asleep at the switch. There's also... Um, the West Bank. Netanyahu has been distracted with what's going on there. 
they've, you know, Israel, Israel's been out of Gaza since 2005, mm -hmm. which a lot of people forget in this conversation. You know, this idea of occupation, you know, they're occupying uh, Gaza. The Israelis have not been in Gaza since 2005. And so that is a complete misnomer. But it, it, they've, they've ignored what's going on there. They, I mean, they had an electric fence that obviously Hamas figured out how to dismantle or hack. Um, there were reports, I don't know if this has been confirmed yet, that there were some cyber attacks on Israeli systems because mm -hmm. they rely on technology. But it goes back to the good old-fashioned human intelligence that you need to have. And the questions are, all are also out there, has Netanyahu been distracted by what's happening domestically? Mm -hmm. I was at a conference in Germany a couple weeks ago, and one of the former Israeli prime ministers was there. And he was telling me about how Every week they've had these massive protests. Sure. We haven't really been hearing about this in the U.S. because, like I said, we have short attention spans. But after that initial um, couple hundred thousand folks in the streets over the, the judicial changes that Netanyahu was trying to make, they, um, they've still, they've continued every weekend mm -hmm. protesting. And they don't have a National Guard like we do. You know, it's the IDF right. that has to handle all of this. Mm -hmm. So... Um, were they distracted with that? And, and Netanyahu is surrounded by not the greatest cabinet. You know, these are some people, like in the past, he's had a stronger, more competent group around him. This time around, you know, Netanyahu's not the same guy he was, you know, 10 years ago. He's, he's gone really extreme to the other side here. And um, some of the folks that are, that are around him are more sycophants and they are confident. Mm -hmm. And I think all of that has shown now in this. And um, I, I just I just pray for the folks of Israel and, you know, the, the, the civilians in, in Palestine mm -hmm. that are going to, and the Palestinians, I mean, that are going to suffer from it because of this. Well, but you mentioned, Hamas is to blame. Yeah. You mentioned Netanyahu and what the future may hold for him. You know, there's so many similarities between him and Trump. And the right-wing extremism on both sides and the tough talk, you know, security. I'm the one that's going to keep you safe. The libtards, you know, they right, can't do it. Right. And I think you're right. I alone can fix it. Yeah. And I think you're 100% right that at least as of right now, he's in a heap of trouble. But we don't know what's going to happen six months from now, depending on how this situation goes, like how all of this may or may not impact Netanyahu, but I think it's interesting how he immediately created that emergency government with Benny Gantz and the opposition because I think he understands the politics of this. He's a smart 100%, guy. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I've had Israelis say to me, like, we thought we were pretty damn secure from this kind of attack. And now yeah. they feel completely vulnerable. And that whole right wing, I'm the protector bullshit that Netanyahu has espoused, like Trump for so long. That's gone. It, this happened on his watch, you know, like this is yeah. his attack. And so, you know, eventually and forever in history. Yeah. I mean, this his history will be written about this. Um, and there's nothing Netanyahu can possibly say to defend himself on this. Right. Nothing. And Israel is not like the United States. Like if they don't like their prime minister, they call a vote of no confidence out. and you're gone. You're it's out. like it's like the house. Right. It's like you're McCarthy. That's right. You know, you're gone. <laughs> And so it's, it's really going to be interesting once all the dust and the unfortunate carnage is settled, of which, to your point, there will be a lot. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see where the politics of this goes. Americans need to recognize that 19 or 20 Americans died, that there are American 22. hostages being held. That's this, yes. And that sort of broadens it just automatically because now the question's of like how much was Iran involved, take on so much more 
geopolitical meaning, then does this war expand uh, into other regions? And does that drag the United States in deeper, let, let alone like, okay, what happens if Israel does decimate Hamas? What happens in Gaza? Who who controls Gaza? Does Israel right. go well, back what happened, and reoccupy again? And Right. I, I, like, what, is, what do they do next? Because that's how Hamas was able to fill the power vacuum after Israel left in 2005. Israel was like, all right, look, fine. You guys want to govern yourselves? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Have at it. Have at it. Have your elections. Have at it. And they failed miserably. I mean, what is Abbas on his uh, 18th year of a four-year term? <laughs> yeah, well, the Palestinian <laughs> Authority was brought in, and, and they lost in right. a bloody civil war to Hamas. And right. That's right. It's just, and you know, so, the, the, the even bigger existential question is everyone agrees that ultimately there needs to be peace in the well, Middle East with right. Israel and the Palestinians, uh, two-state solutions. But how do you have that framework if there's a vacancy on the other side of the table? And yeah, you don't have good faith actors yeah. involved in, and, in, and, in the negotiation. Yeah. Or, or one you know, doesn't believe you have a right to exist. Exactly. So that, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a huge problem. <laughs> you know, that's a problem. But Where David, do you start the negotiating point? David French has a, an op-ed in the New York Times today, which is, I, I think, brilliant because it just cuts through all the bullshit. He's a brilliant guy. And it talks about the rules of distinction and how Hamas is not a government, it's not a military, it doesn't That's wear uniforms, it doesn't drive around in tanks, it doesn't fight as a military. It stockpiles its weapons in civilian buildings, it headquarters mm -hmm. itself in civilian neighborhoods, it yeah, uses schools, its own hospitals. people. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And his point is, if all of that gets destroyed, if, if Hamas is shooting rockets from a hospital and the hospital gets, gets destroyed, it's Hamas's fault. If Hamas Correct. does the same thing from schools, if civilians get killed, then no one wants to see any of that. I don't care what kind of, whether it's a Palestinian baby or a, 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 an Israeli baby, no child, no innocent civilian deserves to die. But then the question gets asked, if that's where your enemy is choosing to hide and operate and attack you from, what are your choices? This seems to be mm -hmm. the biggest dilemma right now for Israel. It's the- That's right. I could, that's why they I, haven't gone in yet. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And they know that. They know that. And that's why they've chosen to put their their operations in civilian areas so they can turn around and make Israel look like, you know, the the uh, they're the, the, the butchers here. Look at them. They're they're killing children in schools and they're attacking our sick in hospitals. Oh, but you left out the part that you're launching rockets from there right. or that you're using them as human shields like there's two sides here. And Israel's not doing this. They're not acting offensively. They're acting defensively because you attack them. Yeah. Okay. Israel's not building tunnels to send suicide bombers underneath into Gaza. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy. And and I that's my concern because when I saw all these, you know, college campuses and some of these, you know, mealy mouth milk toast statements from some folks about this and very disappointed in Black Lives Matter putting out the statement that they did mm -hmm. and, you know, with the with the picture of the of the Hamas terrorist on the, um, you know, the flying into the mm -hmm. into the into the music festival with the flag. I, 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 what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Well, but it's because what you, you said know? before. Americans have not only do Americans have a short attention span, but a lot of them just aren't intellectually curious. You this know, is true. In between, true. like watching, they're very the latest, intellectually lazy. Yeah, they're lazy, lazy, and they're you know they they watch the Kardashians, and then they watch you know news or Fox News for like five minutes. They see an image, and they base their entire opinion on that one image without 
right. understanding the complexity, the nuance, the longevity of this problem in that region. This is not a situation where you could say he started it or she started it. it right. It this has been going back... on for a couple thousand years. Yes. And <laughs> like, so you know, this, the this one question not, I always ask, days. like Jews were massacred in the worst massacre since the Holocaust. I'm a yeah. Jew. I have not seen Jews burned alive besides the Holocaust, okay? So what are the choices Israel has? You have people who want to annihilate you. This act of barbarism of last weekend is going to be the exact type of catalyst which creates more death, more occupation, more strife between Israel and Palest uh, Palestinians. So, and, and that's what Hamas wants, though. You know, that that's what they, they want. That's what Iran wants. Like, they want to bring it, draw Israel in so that they can look like the bad guys and mm -hmm. then have folks rally against Israel. And it's, um, I worry that there could be a certain amount of success there, especially with the U.S. being so um, in such disarray and not completely unified with a unified voice because we, we lose credibility in this area mm -hmm. where before when America spoke, people listened and we meant it and people understood that. And as great of a job as Joe Biden is doing on this issue right now, I think he gave one of the best speeches of his presidency Agreed. in his support for Israel. And prior to that, one of the best speeches he's given of his presidency on the importance of protecting democracy and the threats to it and, and recognizing those threats and what's at stake. Uh, he's really doing an excellent job, except that, you know, he's doing it alone. Right. You know, the Democrats are on their own here and you can't you have to have a healthy two-party system, particularly on foreign policy like this, so that the, uh, the um, you know, America can look unified and strong. Otherwise, we, we, you know, people look at us and go, that's great, but you can't even handle your own domestic issues. You don't have a Speaker of the House the first time in history. Right. Like, this is insane. So I want to talk and, about that. You know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Keep going. No, no, no. What I was saying that, um, you know, this, the, the idea also that somehow Israel has to, you know, this whole thing about, even the headlines in the last couple of days, just two days now, it's all a bit about the humanitarian crisis growing in Gaza. Right. It's all about that. Okay, but let's put context here. Mm -hmm. and, I under, and, and, and the fact that the IDF decided to release those absolutely horrific photos mm -hmm. of babies and, and you know, the, this, the, the, the brutality of the violence shows you that they're like, listen, we don't want to do this, but we have to show the world what we suffered and why we're responding, about to respond the way we are, okay? Mm -hmm. Here are babies. How much more disgusting and despicable and barbaric do we have to get mm -hmm. before you understand where we're coming from and why we're about to do what we're about to do? Mm -hmm. I, it, it's, that shows you the level that we've had to go, that, that the world has to go to now to shock people into paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks a lot about kind of where we are. And where are the, where are the countries... Where's Egypt and Qatar and Jordan and all these other places that, that claim that they have sympathy for the Palestinians? Where are they? They mm -hmm. have money. They have land. Egypt has closed the border. Right. If they're so well, upset, but if they're so concerned, let, let, the, let the innocent Palestinians evacuate then. But that's been the I, case with, with Palestinians for, for decades I know. and decades. It's like, show right. me an, an, an Arab country that, that welcomes and treats Palestinians like first-class citizens. Right. They don't. But yet, you know, but the onus is on Israel. Right. So oh, you on. mentioned Joe Biden. The last thing I want to ask you on Israel is we, we, yeah. we know what Joe Biden has done. We know what Joe Biden has said. He's also demonstrated 
his leadership on the global stage with Ukraine over the last couple of years. That's a given. At the same time, we see the GOP frontrunner, Trump, who's leading by 40 freaking points. We see what he's saying. He's attacking Israel. He's attacking Bibi Netanyahu. He's attacking Biden. He's praising Hezbollah. Like that, uh, can I just say that that has not gotten enough attention? That has not gotten enough attention. I understand that we're in a war posture now and it's wall-to-wall coverage of that. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, it should be wall-to-wall coverage that the former president of the United States, current frontrunner for the Republican nomination, made the despicable comments that Hamas was smart and that he and 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 criticizing Netanyahu because he in in Trump's terms you know wasn't didn't help them during the Soleimani attack. Mm-hmm. What? This is how how is that should be it, well on on normal Earth that would be completely disqualifying among the other litany of things that would be disqualifying yeah. off the top for a presidential candidate. Yeah. As, as Amer- Amer- anyway. Americans were killed, as Americans are being held yes. hostage. This is yes. the shit that comes out of his face. This is what you talk about? Mm-hmm. But this is the same guy. I mean, again, none of us who've been paying attention are surprised by this. Mm-hmm. The, the, he's, he's a malignant, narcissist, sociopathic, crazy person and has been this way most of his life. And so I'm not surprised because he's out of his depth here. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about yeah. when it comes to Israel and and these and these foreign policy dynamics, he has no idea because he's an ignoramus, and he's but, an anti-Semite. So he, and I don't give a well, flying that, fuck that, about his Jewish daughter or his Jewish yeah. son-in-law. That doesn't no. mean anything. He is an yeah, anti-Semite. Just, just ask Michael Cohen. You know when He'll you, tell you. Yeah, exactly when you see one of America's greatest allies being attacked, massacred in a, in a massacre not seen since mm-hmm. the Holocaust, and you're like Israel bad, Biden bad. Hezbollah, Hamas, good, like smart. Yeah, I mean, when you say no one's giving it the attention it deserves, it's I agree with that. It's not getting enough attention. That should have been front page news, right next to right. You know, the, but how right dangerous is the, it? The massacre. How dangerous is it? What he's saying in in a real tangible sense, or does it have any real impact beyond his twenty percent crazy base? This is why it has real impact because he could win again, right? And as much as people think are dismissive of that because they're like, come on. Everybody's seen this. He's he's a lunatic. Mm-hmm. No way he gets reelected. Oh no! You have any idea how close the last election was? Mm-hmm. And hundreds of thousands of people were dead from a pandemic that he told people to blow bleach up their ass and, <laughs> and take shots from a from a fox mange uh, drug ivermectin. Right. Okay, um, <laughs> and the the election was still within eighty thousand votes. Sure. We're talking less than a basketball game in Georgia, 11,000 votes. Arizona, Mm -hmm. less than 11,000 votes. Wisconsin, less than 22,000 votes. Mm -hmm. Um, The election was incredibly close. Mm -hmm. And so this And they're neck and neck. They're neck and neck, which is a whole other. We could talk an hour about that. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. But I would just, just on that real fast, please do not freak out over polling now. Polling now means nothing. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. It's a snapshot in time right now. People are not fully engaged in the presidential election. And if you look at the last oh, 12 elections and you look at the polling at this time during those elections, seven out of those 12 
it, they, they were completely off base of who was winning at that right, time. Right, but at this so time, it, Biden and Hillary were both fairly well ahead of Trump, whereas right. at this time, yeah. Trump and Biden, are, you don't, you're not concerned yeah. about that. I'm I'm not not now. I mean, okay. there are things for that. There are things for the Biden administration to be concerned about, like why the economy messaging isn't breaking through. I think they have to be more aggressive and they have to be more aggressive on what's at stake. Mm. They have to explain to the American people what is at stake. And that that goes back to the Trump situation. The media also plays a big role in this, too. How they cover him matters, because like we just said earlier in our conversation, most Americans don't live, breathe, eat this stuff the way we do. Mm-hmm. They go on with their normal lives and they catch up a, a headline here or there. or They get their information from Facebook or whatever or their neighbors. And they don't really explore further into past the headline or the lead. And the, the, if, the, the, if traditional media, mainstream media covers this election like they have every other horse race election or they frame it that way, it will be a terrible disservice to the American people because this is not a horse race. And this is they need to show what's at stake here. When Donald Trump says things, when he talks about immigrants poisoning the blood of America using mm-hmm. Nazi language, mm-hmm. they, they need to say that. Donald Trump is using language pulled directly from Hitler's speech on such and such day. Mm-hmm. They need to say this. Don't, you know, worry about, oh, well, we have. I mean, they do there, say but, it. I, I, they don't they say don't. it as much as they should. But I do hear it. It doesn't last very long, but the bigger issue is... It should be the headline. Does it headline. matter? Donald it, Trump it, uses Nazi language in speech. But would it matter? I think it matters if, you, if they continue to frame it that way. Social repetition creates reality. If you normalize what Trump does, right. which is easy to do because there's always this fire hose of fuckery from him all the time, right. that you, it's, it's hard to keep track, right? So they go back to what they know and they start covering it like, you know, Donald Trump gives provocative speech during campaign rally provocative speech he quoted hitler you know he's using right. hitler language like um so i i think it's uh it matters because if you and and if you keep seeing 10 stories about joe biden's age versus one story about donald trump quoting nazi language what do you think breaks through mm-hmm. and that's what we're seeing that's why you know, that's why we're seeing trump even competitive in this mm-hmm. because the average person they don't even pay attention anymore because like oh that's just trump being trump no, this is incredibly dangerous because he could win again. Right. We're looking at there are six states in this country that will determine the election. Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And depending on what happens, possibly Michigan, Michigan. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's where the race is going to be determined here. Yeah. So, you know, people can argue, well, the Electoral College, blah, blah, blah. You know what? We're not fixing that tomorrow. We're not fixing that in 10 years. If it needs to be fixed, I think it's more we need to look inward as a, as a country and as people. I don't know if it's the system versus us. <laughs> uh, that's a bigger conversation. But, mm-hmm. um, but this is the system we have and the system we've had for 200 years. So you got to work within the system you have. And you need, people need to understand that Donald Trump, because of the way our system is set up, could win again, which is why everything he says about retribution, about, um, you know, his vengeance, about, you know, firing the federal uh, federal bureaucracy at his whim, getting back at his enemies. I am your retribution. Mm-hmm. These are very scary, dangerous <laughs> proclamations that people need to take seriously because he could win again. He got 75 million votes 
mm-hmm. last time. 75 million people voted for this bastard again and still competitive after fomenting a violent inter- insurrection. Well, that's the phenomenon of it government. all. He's, the, the fact that he can go to rallies and be considered a legitimate front runner of one of our two major political parties in the next presidential election and is not rotting in jail somewhere yeah. means this country is diseased. And my question to you before was more rhetorical because I kind of agree with you in that the more the media drums this shit into people's heads, it's never going to change the crazies. But it's no, that, that they're lost. 10, That's 20 percent in the middle. If we just five percent of those people, if they decide this time I'm voting for Biden. That's who the Lincoln Project targets. Right. We, we target those folks in the middle. Exactly. Well, in 20 in 2020. We stole a term from Steve Bannon. We call it the Bannon line mm-hmm. um, because he's the one who said, look, if four to seven percent of Republicans vote, either stay home or vote for Joe Biden, Donald Trump loses. So we said, hold our beer. Yeah. And that's who we targeted in 2020. Those gettable voters to say, guys, OK, this ain't about tax cuts anymore. This is not about that. This is about our democracy. And do you want someone like this? in power again. Did you see what happened the last four years? Do you see people dying from COVID because of the incompetence of this guy? Like, what are you people doing? Giving them a permission structure to cross over or stay home. And obviously it worked. Um, We've perfected that a little bit more with our targeting going into 2022 because we had the data from 2020, what worked, what didn't, what people responded to, what they didn't. And in 2022, in the midterms, we targeted that those are our messages um, from, you know, the Lincoln Project ads and the things that we do. And um, it was successful, particularly in the secretaries of state races across the country, where you had these MAGA election deniers running to be secretary of state. And a lot of people, I couldn't name my secretary of state a couple of years ago. You know, you kind of take those things for granted. And I'm, you know, <laughs> I live this every day. Mm-hmm. And but we got people to pay attention to this because you're looking at a fundamental right here. Now we're talking about a tax on voting, something that people took for granted. Well, you know, you need to know who your secretary of state is because they administer your your elections. And do you want your vote stolen? Did you see what they tried to do after 2020? People went, holy shit. No, 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 no. We're going to go out there and vote. So this time around, we think that universe of gettable voters is bigger, not only because of what happened after January 6th, what happened with the midterms, but because of Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Because of the uh, on all of these attacks on fundamental rights, whether it's voting or women's rights, people are going, wait, hold on. Yeah. And Republicans, Republican women and men are going, wait a minute, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Do I want to live in a country where our daughters have less rights than our mothers did? There's something fundamentally wrong with that. And uh, yeah, this guy, this Nazi stuff and, you know, this 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 rhetoric of praising our enemies and cozying up to Putin and. Yeah, I don't think we're comfortable with that. And we think that that universe from four to seven has expanded to like 11 percent mm-hmm. plus. Mm-hmm. So there are larger gettable voters here mm-hmm. who aren't comfortable with it. But that's who you have to go for, yeah. because the 30 percent of Republicans that are the cultists that aren't going anywhere to shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. Right. You know, and, and that we're in that territory now. Yeah, that's the only that's the only thing left. Now, we, we just had an insurrection. We just had He's gotten, on. you know, espionage. Yep. Four, four indi- criminal indictments from fraud down to, you know, espionage act to 
the storm again. All of these things doesn't matter. His 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 uh, Trump's approval goes up because people have internalized this as they're attacking me, and he says that mm-hmm. if, when they attack me, they attack they are attacking you. Right. I'm your proxy, and it's been successful for these lost grievance monger people in this country who seem to believe that bullshit. Yeah, we just had Rick on. He he went into detail yeah. with all that data and and the the independent oh, did voters. He? Yeah, and it was it's, it's oh that's funny because that's really all it boils down to. The, forget the base. Yes. The base is. 18 different parts the the part of his base that is attainable right. is what what we need but before we move right. on to the house i do want to ask you one question i agree with you that quote unquote trump can win again mm-hmm. okay it would be foolish I, I always remember the chris rock dave chappelle skit on Saturday night live after trump won when they're standing behind a living room watching all the white people like counting to calp county like no we could still pull this out like like the denialism, like we don't want to deny again. That man could yeah. win again. But my yeah. question to you, you're a very smart political operative. You've been around. Knowing the data, knowing that how Biden won before insurrection, before indictments, before so much of the craziness we've seen in the last two years. Like, how does Trump get more voters than he got last time? So how likely is it in the real sense that Trump could win again? So it's not a matter of Trump getting more votes. It's a matter of Biden getting less. And so it's a form of voter suppression. It's enthusiasm. Mm. How enthusiastic are people to vote for Biden versus how enthusiastic are the people to vote for Trump? The enthusiasm gap is the issue because enthusiasm is, is indicative of likelihood to vote. So that's the problem. I mean, people don't realize Trump I'll give you an example. In Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, in 2020, after everything that Trump did, said during his presidency, he gained 20% more of the black vote in Philadelphia in 2020. Hmm. He got a larger portion of the black vote in 2020 than he did in 2016. People forget this. (laughs) And so there was something attractive was it attractive were they attracted to trump or were they pissed off at democrats Mm. for taking certain demographics for granted feeling unheard so we cannot take for granted the emotional response to certain things versus logic when it comes to voting that's what concerns me it's the the lack of enthusiasm the gen you know gen z came through Mm -hmm. in 2022 why because things that were that impacted their lives directly, like the overturning of Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. were right in front of them. They went, oh, hell no. It wasn't about Biden or Democrats. It was about something personal for them that motivated them to go to the polls in ways that we haven't seen before. So that's the challenge for Democrats in 2024. That's what we worry about. That's why we're like, we're not being alarmist here. But this could be the last time we see a democratically elected president in this country if Donald Trump wins. Mm-hmm. So get off your asses, okay, and go and vote for the Democrats. I don't care if you didn't get your student loan forgiven. I don't give a shit if you feel like we haven't, you know, gotten more, you know, defunded the police in Seattle, okay? Fuck all that. None of that matters. Mm-hmm. It does not matter if the democracy goes under. Exactly. You won't have this opportunity to go out and protest anymore. You didn't like what happened during the George Floyd protests in 2020 when Trump sent in the the, you know, turned our federal law enforcement into the Gestapo 
and and crushed those 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 uh, peaceful protesters. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't like that. Well, that's just a taste of what would happen if he's elected again. There will be no pro- freedom to protest or to gather because he's going to run this like a fascist. So until you guys get get this through your heads, you think you want to throw a temper tantrum and stay home because your student loans weren't forgiven? Cut the shit. And like that's kind of how like the plain talk that we need to have here with some of these, you know, some of the Democrats on the other side that are that are complaining about Biden's too old. And, well, you know, we're billionaires and millionaires and are still getting tax. It doesn't you know what? matter. None of that matters. It doesn't matter. Like, stop. Do you see what's happening around but you? Why, what, stop why, it. what makes people have their heads shoved up their own asses? Why do we not see 75, 80 percent turnout in the Democratic Party in elections? Our democracy well, is is teetering. We have this this orange Jesus threat, you know, of getting back in the way. And yet yeah. it's 55 to 60 percent. You know, what else do uh, they need? When you, get, when you get fat and happy. Right. You don't think you don't see the threat. You don't see the threat to you. That's why fear works. Right. That's why you see what if you ever turn on Fox News or God forbid, you know, or News Newsmax. I encourage people to watch. Listen to some of these radio shows, some of those podcasts. Just watch for five minutes and see what the headlines are, what they are indoctrinating people with. It's constant fear, 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 mm-hmm. fear of the immigrants coming across the border, fear of crime in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. fear of, you know, you're going to lose your job or fear of it's fear. And people go, oh, my God, oh, my God. So what do you do when you have fear? It's fight or flight. Right mm-hmm. now you're in a posture where like, oh, no, 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 no. They're coming for my family. They're coming for my job. They're coming for my neighborhood. They're coming for our housing. They're coming for our, our, you know, our college um, admissions. They're coming. We've got to stop this. Uh, I'm going to save the country. We have to save the country. Like, look, listen to the language yeah. they use. It's it to instill fear because fear is a hell of a motivator. Mm-hmm. So it's dishonest. Um, some things are legit. You know, we have a, the, the border is screwed up. We need to fix it. Republicans have no desire to fix the border. I worked on immigration when I worked in Capitol Hill for seven years. I was a communications director, but I also had a legislative portfolio. Federal law enforcement and immigration, border security immigration were part of that. And I got a firsthand look and I saw where the solutions could happen. And I also saw where Republicans made conscious decisions not to fix it because they like it being a wedge issue. They like it being a cudgel. They saw that when everything else goes to hell, most people... They fall asleep when they talk about entitlement programs and, well, Social Security is going to go you know, bust in 25 years. And they're like, eh, what gets people motivated? Oh, yeah. The, 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 the people coming across the border, the, you know, the images of the, caravans. the chaos on the border. <laughs> right. And, it, you know, caravans show up all, you know, all the time. And it's like you're exploiting these people and you're exploiting their hardship and why they're coming here for your political game. Mm-hmm. And it's disgusting. You know, these are real human lives. These are families. Do I think that we need to be tougher on the border and fix it? Of course I do. For everybody's sake. It's not fair to the migrants coming here. It's not fair to the the border uh, cities and and counties and states that have to deal with it. It's not fair to the American taxpayer to have to pay for all of this. Mm -hmm. It's a a mess. But how come we haven't passed comprehensive immigration reform for 35 years? Because neither, well, I don't know about neither side, but Republicans really don't want to fix it. They could have. They controlled Congress. They controlled the, the, the House, the Senate, and the White House. If it was such a problem, why the hell didn't they fix it when Donald Trump, Mr. I'm tough on the border, right? that was the perfect time. If they no, wanted they, to like it. to your point, they, they need the scary, they exactly. want to keep the scary black and brown people. <laughs> That's exactly right. As Chris Cuomo used to say, the brown menace, right? Yeah. Um, 
and so it's it's really frustrating to watch um the way that th- that Republicans have used fear like this fear of the other and and just fear of of times changing and to 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 cast aside the basic principles of what used to make us Republicans you know I I was in the party for 27 years and yep. finally walked away after 2020 I never supported Trump I was always a vocal never Trumper from the very beginning um but I thought and alongside my good friend Michael Steele former RNC chair he used to convince me come on you know we don't we if we walk away who's going to be there to fix it you know then the crazies completely take over and mm-hmm. I said okay you know there were during the Trump administration it was hard <laughs> there were many times where I was like this. I'm out. I cannot do this anymore. I cannot have an R next to my name. Charlottesville, Helsinki. Right. I mean, a lot. But um, <laughs> but he said, no, come on. You know, we, we need to be part of the solution. I said, okay, okay, fine. But then after the constitutional crisis that Republicans allowed this country to get thrown into because Trump denied the election after election night and like move forward with that plan, mm-hmm. I said, I can't do it anymore. There's nothing then. That means nothing will move these people. The sanctimonious Republicans that walked around with their pocket constitutions all the time, bitching and complaining about how Democrats were socialists and Marxists and want to destroy our constitutional order. Those same people sat back and not only let Donald Trump make those outrageous claims about the election, they were enablers in Mm -hmm. it all the way to the point to January 6th and still are to this day. That's where I was like, I'm done. If the Constitution is no longer sacrosanct, then that means that these people are so craven that they'll they'll let him do anything so they can hold on to power, including taking down our constitutional system, which is why I think Republicans, the Republican Party needs to burn to the ground. Yeah, well, and it's, I, you know, it's, 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 I, I'll be there to help build, rebuild some kind of center right party when that happens. But in the meantime, the goal is to be protect our democracy, mm-hmm. make sure these bastards are out of power and that Donald Trump never steps foot anywhere near the White House again. Well, they're doing a, gr- a great job of, of imploding. I mean, in our final few minutes here, I want to ask you about the shit show in the House. And yeah. where do you think that's going? Because, you know, last night Scalise says, fuck it, I'm out of here. You're like, when Steve <laughs> Scalise says, you fuckers are too crazy, even for me. It's like, this is a shit show. Yeah. You know, the Republicans said, hey, put us in power, man. We'll fix everything. And, and look where we are. This is what happens when you give this Republican Party control of anything. W- what's going to happen? Where's this going? Oh, man. You know, it, it was funny because uh, as we were watching this unfold, like I said, I spent seven years on Capitol Hill. So, I, I mean, I love the Hill. And um, there's a certain, it's just a certain little amount of of chaos that that you kind of like a little bit. Not this, okay, not this. Uh, we've never seen anything like this, and I can't say that I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. Look at how they've behaved. Mm-hmm. Republicans have now, since the era of Trump, go back to the Tea Party. Actually, is really where this started mm-hmm. to germinate more. Um, but the, the intransigence mm-hmm. on the part of a lot of these Republicans is so outrageous. Like they forgot why they're there. You're there to legislate. You're not there to get on Steve Bannon's, you know, podcast or get on Fox News or go and become some kind of, uh, you know, right wing social media celebrity. You're not there to be a troll. You're supposed to be there to legislate. Mm-hmm. That is your number one purpose. They forgot this because bad behavior has been rewarded. Donald Trump got elected president. So it doesn't get much worse than the type of behavior Donald Trump engages in. And he was rewarded with the presidency. Right. So then what do you get? You get the Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greens. You get the Matt Gateses and the Lauren Boberts and these other idiots that these assholes that are running around 
that don't give two shits about actually legislating and doing their jobs. Well, how there's more and more and more of them. Back in the day, you had a handful. Uh, you had four or five of those clowns. But you had a larger majority of Republicans who were sane that kind of cast them out. But it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Boehner said, all right, look, I'm not putting up with you people anymore. Those were the Tea Party folks back then when that, that drove Boehner out. He said, screw this. I'm getting a Merlot and a, and a, and a cigarette. I'm going to become a lobbyist. I've, I've done my time. Good luck. Paul Ryan was like, come on, bro. Like, I don't want to do this. I just want to pass budgets and, you know, like be fiscally responsible and work out. <laughs> and Paul Ryan, they were like, yeah, but Paul, you're the only one that can handle this. And he said, okay, fine. He lasted four years. I'm out. I'm not putting up with this shit. Then you would leak. Then now you're you're getting down to the bottom of the barrel. Kevin McCarthy, who, in my opinion, never should have been speaker in the first place because mm-hmm. he was a complete coward. You can't be that craven, that cowardly, that much of an ass kisser of someone like Donald Trump after what he did after January 6th. I mean, there was a lot of things, but January 6th should have been it. That should have been it. Right. They should have impeached him, removed him, and we would not be here again. But they were all such a bunch of wusses that they were worried about their own their own jobs and scared of their own voters mm-hmm. instead of standing up for the country. And now look what they've done. They've let the snake back in the house, and now he's about to take them all out. So Scalise and these guys, what makes anyone think they can control them? They're Because mo- they're not motivated by what's best for the country. So who gets the they job? They are motivated by this. I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know. I think there's going to be a power sharing uh, agreement, possibly. Th- that's possible. Because now with the war in Israel... This is like, there's a lot at stake. We've got a government shutdown looming. Mm -hmm. We've got, you know, Ukraine funding and now Israel. Israel hits home a little bit more because of the Jewish diaspora here, because of so many people and and Americans were killed in this thing. It's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And it's a bipartisan issue. So something has to move here. And the fact that Scalise was like, yeah, okay, I'm out. And and that Jim Jordan, I I, I mean, last year I used to joke. I'm like, okay, watch, it's going to be Speaker Jim Jordan. I never want to be right about these things because if I'm right, then it's bad for the country. You know, like I've never wanted to be more wrong in my life. But this is this is uh, we've never seen this before. And I, you know, will there be a dark horse, somebody like maybe a Tom Emmer, someone less known or even Patrick McHenry, who's relatively innocuous. um, Except when he's not throwing Nancy uh, Pelosi and Steny Hoyer out of their offices. That was coming directly from McCarthy, from my understanding. But that just of shows you he himself. operates from fear too. Like you know, it's... oh, of course. I mean, he doesn't. None of them want to lose their, their seat, right? Mm-hmm. None of them want to lose their seats. You learn in political science one hundred and one that elected officials are single seekers of reelection because they can't have their they can't have power or access to it if they're out of office. So everything they do is motivated by how do I get reelected? There's you know, <laughs> that's a problem when you're dealing with a a, a dysfunctional incentive structure, which is what we're seeing in the in the GOP. These people are in safe districts. So they're they're not worried. Some are not worried about the, the most intransigent ones. They're not worried about ever losing their elections. Because mm-hmm. Marjorie Taylor Greene is in a safe she's in a safe seat. So is Matt Gates. Yeah. They love him down there in Pensacola. Yeah, the crazier well, they are, the, the more popular they are. It's like Trump. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly right. So, you know, there's something to be said about gerrymandering and and you know the way our, our districts are drawn where there's no consequence. Or, you know, we need to open up our primary system where you have closed primaries. You get the craziest when you have the open primaries. Well, there is an incentive to moderate. So there's a lot of things that 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 are in play here that contribute to this chaos. But the most immediate thing, I I don't know Mm -hmm. how they get out of this, but they they 
it may take a few of the moderate Republicans who are in Biden districts, there's 18 of them who are in Biden districts that say, okay, we have to be the adults in the room and step up and possibly have to propose a power sharing agreement with Democrats. It's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Well, Mike Rogers already came out and said, we need the Democrats. We got to cut a deal. So I don't know if that means Speaker Jeffries. That seems like a fantasy, but but something in between somewhere. Right. They may find a consensus candidate Mm -hmm. that pretty much does, um, you know, that that promise that that promises not to, like, pursue the Hunter Biden bullshit or, you know, backs off those things just to keep the House functioning for the next year, because it has to. The government is paralyzed without a functioning House. They have to have a speaker Um, because then you start to have real life, real life impacts. Yeah. and yeah, so well, it'll be if fascinating. This isn't, if this isn't, it is, and this isn't a reason for people to, sh- to to see that Republicans don't deserve to be in power. I don't know what is. I don't know what it's going to take. Yeah. Well, Tara, this I love this conversation. I I, I do hope you'll come back. Uh, there's so much I wanted to talk to you about, but thanks I'll for your back. insights and uh, uh, look forward to the next conversation. Thank you so much, Andy. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Bye. This episode of The Back Room was edited and produced by me, Andy Ostroy. It was co-edited and co-produced by Maddie Rosenberg and co-produced by Jen Hamoud. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Hollander and our logo was designed by Cricket Langell. And special thanks to Patricia Wind. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast and also follow or subscribe. Until next time, keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards and have a great week.